Superman Forever Radio, Episode 116, The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. Rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from 1938 to current day. If you're joining us for the first time, you've come in at a new segment for the Superman Forever radio podcast called Superboy Forever. Once a month or so, I'm going to turn the mic on and talk about some of my favorite Superboy stories. Uh, And when I say Superboy, by the way, I should uh, uh, preface that by saying I'm talking about Superboy of the atomic silver and bronze age, not the uh, post-crisis Superboys. And nothing, nothing against them. You know, those are, you know, they all uh, are interesting characters in their own right. Uh, but when I think of Superboy, uh, for me, it, it, it's the it's uh, uh, as most of the regular listeners know, uh, I'm a I'm a child of the Silver Age. So for me, Superboy stories are adventures of Superman when he was a boy, and I think that's you know why uh, nothing against the Clone Boys and all of them that came after you know uh, in the uh, uh, '90s and and uh, and on the clones. Uh, nothing against them. Uh, in fact, you know, during the, uh, what was it, reign of Superman, after the death of Superman and Funeral for a Friend, and then uh, for a year it was like four different titles, and who's the real Superman? Superman's dead, but he's he come back. Is he this guy, that guy, this guy, this guy? One of the this guys was Superboy, a clone that had gotten out of his test tube a little early. So uh, he was a teenage uh, clone. And some of the Tom Grummet artwork in that was just outstanding. But anyway, I I, I dive I digress. <laughs> Uh, just as I say, I'm not going to talk about those other guys. Here I am talking about those other guys. But this show primarily, this segment, the Superboy Forever segment, uh, will be dedicated to the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. And, you know, reading them as a kid. I have to tell you, a lot of times as a kid, I looked, uh, uh, you know, uh, comic book day, taking the allowance, getting comics, uh, seeing a Superboy or adventure title with Superboy on the cover. Uh, to me, it was just as exciting as seeing a Superman comic because that Superboy was Superman. And I think that is a huge distinction uh, between the Silver slash Bronze Age, Bronze Age Superboy and uh, any Superboys of the modern era. Uh, even though, yes, you'll say, oh, they were clones of Superman, so they really were. So-. No, they, those may have been clones, but they were not destined to grow up to become Superman. When we're watching Superboy or reading Superboy in the Silver Age, we're reading stories of Superman. 
before he became Superman. And in these stories, uh, some of the things that people really liked about the Byrne era, oh, the Kents are alive. Well, they were alive in the Silver Age, but in the Superboy stories, all of the learning that Superman needed to do to become the confident Silver Age Superman that we knew, the Kurt Swan. In my head, I'm seeing Kurt Swan, of course. Uh, but that Superman, the confident, uh, you know, almost fatherly uh, no, uh, figure, you know, uh, all of that, the errors, the problems, the learning that one needs to do to become that good or confident at your job took place in the pages of Adventures uh, uh, comics and Superboy comics of the Silver Age. And that's the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about on this segment, that Superboy. And I think it's a very interesting, you know, history, how it even started. Because literally, as early as 1938, only a few months after the original publication of Action Comics number one in 1938, later that same year, a few months after that, Jerry Siegel pitched his first Superboy idea to DC Comics. An editorial just said, no, thank you, we're not interested. No, thank you, we're not interested. He did it again in 39, apparently. Uh, no, thank you, we're not interested. 1940, kaboom, sidekicks everywhere. Uh, starting uh, 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 with Robin the Boy Wonder. Now he comes back again. Jerry Siegel says, well, hey, you know, now, you know, there's no question. You, look how popular Robin is. Here is Superboy. No, 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 we don't want Superboy. That Superboy that you're pitching is just, it's a detriment uh, to the goodwill that we have established with Superman as an adult. And... Uh, uh, so we don't want Superboy. Now, that's where the story usually ends with the discussion about Siegel pitching Superboy that DC kept shooting it down because they thought it would be uh, somehow weaken or, or uh, 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 be detrimental to the character of Superman that had already now by this point in 1940s early 40s, had already been established as the good guy and et cetera, et cetera. Radio show animations are starting up. So, But part two of that is the reason they were saying Jerry Siegel's Superboy at that time that he was pitching would be detrimental to the character of Superman is because the story he was pitching were stories about a young Superboy, a teenage Superboy, uh, prior to um, having a social conscience, so to speak. He was kind of a bully and a delinquent, using his powers to uh, play tricks on people, do things, and cause a little uh, trouble. And according to something else I read, Jerry Siegel's idea was to, over the course of the strip, as he, in terms he was thinking, over the t course of the strip, Superboy would get older and wiser and learn that uh, uh, the social conscience and how he has to use his powers, that it would not be a good thing. So they were basically editorial saying, we don't want to wait that. And that's not what we're interested in. They just kept, you know, shooting down Jerry Siegel's ideas. Uh, and he pitched it several times and they kept shooting it down. While meanwhile, we're getting Robin, we're getting Speedy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, World War Two uh, Siegel is overseas, and in 1944, editor Jack Schiff gets uh, Joe Schuster to draw Jerry Siegel's one of Jerry Siegel's Superboy stories, and it was an origin origin story. Now there is some question. I've seen several sources, uh, but again, getting doing some research for this, I know uh, I did a little research. I'm sorry, but looking it up because I wanted to be sure of this because I'd heard this other story and I could I, I still can't find the I couldn't find the name, okay, 
but the story I had heard, and it might have even been something uh, when I was talking to Hank Weisinger about, uh, this was before his dad, though, took over uh, uh, duties as uh, the full-time Superman editor and all things super. So more fun comics at this time, which is where Superboy was first published, didn't fall under the Superman titles. But Jack Schiff apparently got Joe Schuster to then draw one of the stories, which was an origin story. And it's short and it's five pages. And in those five pages, which we're going to get to in a few minutes, when you hear certain names that you will be quite familiar with in that story, realize that those names are going to be read for the first time published for the first time. Superman now had been around for, and we're looking at 1944 here, 45, late 44, early 45. So Superman had already been around for 1938. So to then hear some of these names and this origin story and this so much crammed into the five-page origin story, it's, it's quite amazing. And this will happen time and time again in the super in the pages of Superboy stories. That things that will uh, later become part of uh, everyday life and just common knowledge of the Superman lore and mythos took place first not in Superman or action, but in the pages of Superboy or Adventure Comics. And we'll get into that, uh, particularly with the first ever published Superboy story from More Fun Comics, number 101, 1944, right after this. Hello, podcast listener. Do you like... Ready to form Voltron! Or maybe... How about... I am Batman! Or... This is a job for Superman! Do you remember... Power Rangers! Or this? Right away, Michael. Or maybe even this? Autobots, transform! How about this? By the power of Grayskull! Or maybe... For the honor of Grayskull! Or have you seen the latest episode of... I'm the Doctor. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then check out Charlie's GeekCast, hosted by me, Charlie Niemeyer. I'm bringing the show back to talk about all the things I enjoy. Comics, movies, TV shows video games, and more. New and classic episodes can be found at 2TrueFreaks.com and Charlie'sGeekCast.com, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. So check out Charlie's GeekCast. You'll enjoy it, or your money back. Ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey, everyone. My name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding comic book-filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017. And because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All Comes Back Back to Superman. Superman. It All Comes Back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. 
Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network. New episodes will drop on the 28th of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaileytude.com. More Fun Comics, number 101. Cover date, January 1945. Release date was November 22nd, 1944. The cover shows Green Arrow and Speedy fighting a uh, big knight of some kind, a giant knight uh, wielding a sword and his armor. Yes, Speedy shares the cover with Green Arrow. Speedy is older than Superboy. And so is Robin. So are probably Aqualad. I didn't check. But uh, uh, there was this huge explosion of, uh, of kid sidekicks. But Superman, to this point, did not have a sidekick, nor will he have a sidekick. Jimmy Olsen is about as close as he ever got to having a sidekick. But I'll tell you what, I'll come back and talk about it in a little more detail afterward. But let's do the synopsis first, shall we? The story, The Origin of Superboy, is written by Jerry Siegel, art by Joe Schuster. And again, we'll talk about this in a little more detail in a little bit. Thousands of followers of the great Superman have asked the answers to these questions. What is the story of Superman's origin? And what was he like before he grew to man's estate? Was he just an ordinary boy or was he a superboy? In this story, you will find the answer to those questions. And we believe you will look forward to the further adventures of the youth who is destined to become the idol of millions as the great Superman. But these stories will deal with Superboy. Once in the outer reaches of infinite space, there existed a great planet which glowed like a green star in the limitless firmament. This was the planet Krypton. There was life on the planet Krypton, Human beings of great intelligence and great strength and beauty. The force of gravity on Krypton was far greater than that of Earth. An ordinary Kryptonian could take a simple step and leap over the largest building. In fact, he could almost defy gravity entirely. And because of Krypton's gravity, the citizens of Krypton were able to construct incredibly lightweight vehicles capable of tremendous speeds. Of all of the scientists of Krypton, Jor-El was perhaps the most advanced. Lara, his wife, comes in and tells him that he's been just working really too hard on his model rocket ship, and he's about to miss his important meeting with the Science Council. There's no time to rest, Lara. The lives of every Kryptonian depend on the success of my experiments. Lara reminds him again of his appointment with the council, and he says, Yes, I know, Lara, I cannot be late, because I must convince them finally that the planet Krypton is doomed. Well, on his way to the council, he looks into the sky, the deep purple sky, and there's rumblings beneath the ground. But in spite of nature's warnings, the Supreme Council still turns a deaf ear to Jor-El's warnings. 
and his impassioned pleadings. Jor-El implores the council to build large ships to carry the people of Krypton to the planet Earth, for Krypton is doomed. Of course, the council makes fun of him and says, we've had these earthquakes before, the sky has done this before. It's just cyclical, Jor-El. There's nothing to be alarmed about. Filled with impotent fury, Jor-El hurries home as the shaking and rumbling of the planet increases. Blind fools, they'll die, all of them. But at least I may have time to save my family. Quickly, Lara, into the model ship. There's just enough room for you and the babe. Of course, Lara says, no, my place is here with you, my husband, but let our son have his chance for life. Thus, moments later, the small craft sets forth on its terrible adventure with its tiny cargo the last surviving soul of the planet Krypton. Days later, the rocket ship comes gently to Earth. A passing motorist found the child and took it to a foundling home, an orphanage. Strange baby in this peculiar contrivance. As the baby grew, it astonished the members of the orphanage as he performed feats of incredible strength for such a small toddler. That's impossible, and yet it's happening. Later, the infant was adopted by a childless couple named Kent's. Isn't he wonderful, Pa? And he's ours. A fine boy, Mother, as we've always wanted. Years passed as the baby grows into young boyhood. Here's the firewood you wanted, Mother. Golly, Clark. You'll hurt yourself carrying such a load. <laughs> By the time young Clark Kent is a grown boy, he has learned that he is different from all of the other boys. He can leap with ease over buildings. Woo, this is fun. Outrun the swiftest animals in the forest. Let somebody run who can, who can run fast. And perform a thousand other startling feats. But... I can't let other people know how different I am. I'll just have to hold myself in check and go along like all the other kids. But one day... Help! 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 The jack broke and his legs caught under the wheel. Left. A couple of kids are trying to lift the car off the, of the man who's under the thing. Clark, without thinking, runs to the edge of the car, picks it up, and they save the man. Golly, Clark, you did it. You lifted that car like it was nothing. How did you do that? I wouldn't have believed that if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Er, uh, er, uh, I guess something happened just for a second to give me super strength. And later, in Clark Kent's room, super strength. Hmm, that's a little frightening. My powers give me a chance to do a lot of good, but I can't let people know that Clark Kent can do these things. The knowledge just might be dangerous. So, Clark Kent secretly fashions a colorful costume, and thus is born... Superboy. Follow the adventures of Superboy in future issues of More Fun Comics. Holy moly. 
<laughs> of course, that's a whole different character. Holy moly. <laughs> okay, let's go back and talk about this little five-page gem in a little more detail, shall we? Okay, again, this is the third story in this uh, five-story anthology book with a bunch of other people's, including the Spectre. There's a Spectre story, a Green Arrow story, a, uh, um, a Johnny Quick story. All right, so let's start right at the beginning here with the fact that it was released uh, in November of 1944. As I said in the opening here, Jerry Siegel had pitched the idea of a Superboy uh, within a few months of the release of Action Comics number one. But his idea was uh, a, a pretty much um, a young boy who, uh, with his powers, became kind of a, a prankster, a juvenile delinquent almost, uh, causing all kinds of havoc with his powers, and then learning the story through doing that, that that's not the way to go, that he needs to be a better person. This story is not that story, okay? So I think the interesting thing is uh, it's several levels on this. Oh, there's so much. Practically every page or every panel and page of this little five-page story is a first for the Superman mythos. So, you know, hold on. <laughs> um, starting right off with the fact that it says, uh, and we have no question, one thing I'm not going to argue here at all, okay, is that Superboy was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Absolutely. Superboy created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, okay? The idea of a superpowered boy that was Superman when he was a boy, full costume and all, uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster. Okay. Now, this particular story published in More Fun Comics number 101, The Origin of Superboy. The credits almost everywhere say the same thing. Written by Jerry Siegel, art by Joe Schuster. There is some question about both of those. Or maybe I should mm, question, controvert, mm, question. Let's go with question. And, and it's a small question because most places when you look to find, they will give full credit to um, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Editor Jack Schiff. Now, here's the interesting part. This story was published, as said, November of 1944. Jerry Siegel was overseas uh, during World War II. Schuster, because of his eyesight, uh, failing eyesight had uh, uh, stayed states, stateside and was still working and, and uh, you know but he had a studio Joe Schuster had a studio the, Sh the, the Schuster Art Studio of which Wayne Boring was one of his more famous students and at this particular time period 1944 many uh, 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 much of the work coming out of the Schuster Studios was not done by Joe Schuster. It was done by his students under Joe Schuster's name. Um, Wayne Boring had become one of the best Schuster imitators. There is some early Wayne Boring in about this, you know, early 40s, mid 40s time period before, Schuster, before Wayne Boring uh, took on his own style, which became uh, the definitive uh, style during the 50s for Superman was Wayne Boring. But initially, he was with the Schuster Studios and did a really impressive impersonation of Joe Schuster's work. Some claim this as, Joe, as Wayne Boring. Okay, I, I think, to be honest with you, to me, this is, this, this is Schuster. This is Joe Schuster. 
And um, uh, I will try to put, if not all of the pages of this little five-page story on the website, uh, uh, I'll put several of them because the artwork is just incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It's full of emotion, full of action. Everything about this story is just on the money. And I think it is Joe Schuster. So uh, to my untrained eye of just being a comics reader of a whole bunch of years, to me, this looks like Joe Schuster. Uh, Wayne Boring's work and some of the other guys coming out of the Schuster Studios uh, would put their own little, you know, thing to it. The way the S is drawn, the, the, everything about this to me is Joe Schuster. Now, let's get to the story itself, the written words. It also says written by Jerry Siegel. But this story was actually published without any input from Jerry Siegel, without even his knowledge. He was overseas. He didn't even know the story had been published. But he still gets writer's credit. Now, why is that? And, and, I, and let's just, in general, this could have happened this way. Making this up, here's Bob's editorialization of what possibly could have happened in the uh, DC studio, the national studios of uh, the time period. Jack Schiff, the editor of More Fun Comics, needed to, he had he had to fill some. He needed to bring something in. Something was good. Okay, gets Schuster in there and he says, "Hey Joe, draw me, uh, you know, a story to go along with that Superboy idea you and." Uh, you and Siegel came up with. But here, I've made a few changes. Or either Jack Schiff himself, or he assigned another writer to take the idea of the Superboy, the opening of the Superboy, and give it uh, a little tweak at the end. And why do I say that? I think that everything leading up to the very to the to the moment Clark Kent uh, takes the car off of the the, the guy is Jerry Siegel. I think all of the Krypton stuff is Siegel and Schuster. Uh, but the moment Clark realizes, he and he does all the realization, that he himself needs to hide the idea that he's super from his friends, uh, but then does that and then realizes, well, if I'm going to continue to be the super kid, I need to disguise that fact. So he creates the costume to do his super stuff with. Let's go back right from the beginning. A great splash page showing Superboy just flying uh, with that. But then we have two panels underneath, and it shows Krypton in space, the, grim, the green, the emerald goal, uh, and uh, a, a, a scene on Krypton. And that panel right there, that's the first panel we see of Krypton. Not in this story, ladies and gentlemen. That's the first panel we see of the people on the planet Krypton. Yes, I know. We're five and a half, six years into Superman's history already. But very little had been said, if anything, about his birthplace. To Up to this point, in this more fun comics, a little five-page ditty about the origin of Superboy, up to this point, Krypton's purpose was the following, and the origin story. In pretty much every Superman story from 1938 to this moment, the opening bubble was rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. There, that's the history of Superman's history on Krypton. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. That's what we knew about Krypton up to this point. <laughs> that is amazing. So we find out about Krypton, what it is, who they are, because your first question should have been, which we 
you know, as, as probably the kids of 19. Some did ask the question, but it took them five and a half or six, almost six years to answer the question. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet. Wait a minute. Rocketed as a, who, who rocketed him as a baby? Who, what? Okay. In this story, we see Krypton. There it is. And now we see a panel of some people walking along the street. We see Kryptonians. Then you turn the page and you see a couple of other Kryptonians talking about, you know, how, you know, uh, they have powers and how they can jump and fly. And you see a great scene of uh, a a little flying car type plane flying uh, uh, past a building. And now for the very first time in any place other than the weekly or daily uh, Superman comic strip. At this point in time, the daily Superman comic strip was still going on in, in most newspapers. But for the first time in the comics, we meet Jor-El and Lara, his parents, and they have a name. In the dailies, it had been mentioned, Jor-El had been mentioned one time as Jor-L, the letter L. Here in the comics, for the first time in Morphin Comics 101, Superboy's Origin, we see, for the first time, Jor-El and Laura, and Jor-El spelled as it is today, J-O-R-E-L, the L, family L. And they have their little conversation. And she reminds him that he really needs to get his button gear and get downtown to the council, which he does. This artwork, by the way, is just, I just can't get over how good this artwork is. It's just gorgeous. And as we're coming up to one of my favorite panels, Jor-El's leaving the, uh, his home, runs outside, and there's a beautiful scene of him running. And uh, the sky is purple, and there's clouds, and, and no, there's no clouds. It's kind of a purpley background, and the buildings of Krypton with flying cars and things going by. It's just spectacular uh, sci-fi future scene from 1944. We then turn the page, and Jor-El is meeting with the council as they shoot him down, and now he runs back home and realizes oh, he's waited too long. What a fool I've been, he says and what a fool they are. Great scene. It go, uh, grabbing the baby, putting it in the rocket. The rocket takes off. That's two panels. The third panel is the rocket in space as the planet blows up behind it. The next panel, a beautiful, bright, sunny day in somewhere, Earth. <laughs> the sun in the sky, and the rocket comes to a soft landing on Earth. Found by a passerby, okay? A passerby, what? Who takes him to the orphanage, what? (laughs) Yes. Now, this would be retconned uh, a little later. You did hear what I said on the last page, right? First time we see Krypton, Jor-El, and Lara with their names, okay? And we see them put the baby in the rocket first time, and the rocket being... uh, Normally, it's... The rock, we already see we, the planet's exploding with the rocket coming up, but we don't know who did it or why did it. Now we're finding out these details. Passerby becomes retconned later that the passerby is, in fact, Jonathan Kent, who takes the baby to an orphanage where it grows from being a little tiny, you know, baby uh, wrapped in uh, blankets to a toddler with a diaper on now lifting a couch, lifting a couch. As the orphanage people say, wow, that's unusual. Yeah, you think? And this is like one panel, two panel. And the third panel is the Kents. And it is the traditional older couple, Kents. 
and they're just not named uh, – they're not given their first and last name in this particular – the next issue of Morphon uh, are down the, down the road. They get the name Martha and Jonathan. But here we now actually see the Kents for the first time. Ma and Pa Kent. I know. And it's a funny little panel. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like ventriloquism a lot. And this panel reminds me of a ventriloquist with the little dummy sitting on his knee and it's little Clark as a little boy on his knee. And then they talk quickly here about him growing from that panel to the next panel of him now uh, as at a kid of about five or six, bringing in uh, the big lo- uh, load of firewood by himself. And as he gets a little older, seven-ish, he's jumping over the barn. He's outrunning animals in the forest. And now he goes off to school. And as a boy of about eight now, he realizes, wow, this is very cool. I can do some really cool stuff. We go to the next panel, the next page, and here we have the car scene. The jack has fallen. The car has fallen on on the man under it. Two boys are running towards the car. They're trying to lift it. They can't. Clark in the background sees it. He instinctively runs towards the car, picks it up. They get the man out. And now the boys are, are saying, wow, how, what? And Clark says, gee, I don't know. That must have been something weird to just happen there all of a sudden. I don't know. Uh, if they had known about ad- adrenaline and stuff, we have on record, by the way, things where a mother has done this, kind of lifted a car off her child or done extraordinary feats of strength um, uh, based on an adrenal- adrenaline. But um, so anyway, uh, Clark says, I don't know. And that night later in his room, he thinks, you know, if I want to keep doing this, which he does. He wants to keep doing this. If I want to keep saving people and doing this good stuff, I'm going to have to figure out a way to do this so that people don't know that Clark Kent is the one doing these because that could be dangerous. So that night he creates the colorful red and blue costume and starts his career as Superboy. Wow. Okay. Now, this story right here in Morphin Comics has been referenced no less than a dozen times in flashbacks throughout the years, all the way into the Bronze Age. Uh, they have used panels from this story in flashbacks. Sometimes they redrew the panel with the modern artist. Swan has drawn a couple of them, boring did, in flashbacks. Uh, but this story has been referenced and was referenced all the way up until the, uh, the 80s. Now, here's something else interesting I want to I tell you. Okay? Now, these, these are some just little things in no particular order yet about this story. As I mentioned, Jor-El and Laura mentioned for the first time, Ma and Pa Kent, no first names, but Ma and Pa make an appearance for the first time. And in, and in fact, so much about Krypton takes place this is a five-page story, and the first three pages are about Krypton. That's new. A page about the or two, three panels about the Kent about him being found and adopted. That's new. So, one of the beautiful things about the Superboy comics and stories of the Silver Age is that that's where we hear all of this backstory that we were not getting in Superman. In the Superman stories of the time, and we're five and a half, six years into this, origins just weren't that big a deal. You would say, okay, he did this, that's how he got started, but they pretty much just, that was an opening panel of, a splash panel of, you know, uh, just set up. Now let's get into the story. For the first time, we're seeing a little more detail about the past. And that 
took place more during the Silver Age in Superboy comics than it did Superman comics. In Superman comics, you just assumed all this stuff, most of it's been established. This is where he learned how to be Superman. This is the lessons he learned. In Superman and action in the Superman stories, he was Superman. He knew how to do that stuff. He was fully powered. He had all that stuff. The Superboy comics is where we start getting filled in on the backstory. We get Krypton, we get the Kents, we get the Legion of Superheroes eventually, we get the robots, we get Bizarro, we get certain forms of Kryptonite, we get his um, family tree, his history of uh, his fatherhood and the histories of Krypton. All of that comes from not Superman, not action, but Superboy in here and in Adventure Comics later. He was in More Fun, took the Superboy feature for a, a couple of more issues before he moved over to Adventure, where it stayed for five years before getting his own title in 1949. Uh, Superboy uh, gets his own title in 1949 and has it from that point on until the crisis um, stuff in the 80s. Sharing uh, adventure comics a lot as the years passed on with both the uh, the legion of the legion of superheroes and then Supergirl had her time as the main character, but Superboy was in pretty much adventure comics as well as Superboy from that point on. And again, that's the something that I, that I keep coming back to stress about. The reason I like this, the idea of Superboy, is that this is not just a sidekick, as I said before. This is Superman. And I just think that is so cool because to me, a lot of times as a kid reading these stories, I related so much more sometimes during certain periods of my life to the Superboy stories than I did to the Superman stories. Superman was almost like, you know, the father guy to me. He was the super father. He was the guy who had all the answers and would save the day and be the Superboy was me learning how to do this stuff. Now, the stories got more sophisticated, and we'll say that in air quotes, but as, as the 60s uh, uh, you know, moved on. But right here in 1944, and this is something else I wanted to bring up, going back to this, 1944, this first appearance of Superboy, the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and I want you to follow me on this. This is 1944. It's what I call the Atomic Age, and what I think has come to be known as, in some circles, the Atomic Age. It's not really the Golden Age anymore. Golden Age is 1938 to the, basically the end of World War II. So we're really close now with this being released at the end of 44 with a 45 cover date on it. We're getting close to the beginning of what I call the Atomic Age, which is about a 10-year period, uh, depending on how you look at it, 8 to 10-year period, uh, before the actual Silver Age, they say, is started with maybe the Flash episode or the showcase featuring the Flash. But think about this for a second, okay? Here are some things that we can uh, uh, say, conjecture, can, can uh, hypothesize, can put down on paper, can say, hey, I believe this, and back it up with the following. The Golden Age Superman was not Superboy. He, there's no, he did not have Superboy. The Silver Age Superman was Superboy. This story that we just talked about, the adventures, the origin of Superboy, could be considered the first Silver Age story. Well, well think about it, because 
there was no Superboy for the Golden Age Superman. The Golden Age Superman, uh, they barely talked about him being a kid at all. Boom, boom, grew up, Superman, yay, okay? Now we're seeing that, well, wait a minute. And even though in 1949, on the cover of Superboy, is by that point Wayne Boring in his full glory of an obviously Wayne Boring Superman, is about to open a cover telling the kids, these are the stories of me as a kid. That's in 49, okay? That is not this Superman, but that is this Superboy. So the Superman of 1938, 940, right up to 1945, was not Superboy. So this is, and, and, and why do I can go say there? Because it's generally considered now that the Golden Age Superman was the Earth-2 Superman. And the Earth-2 Superman was not Superboy. There was no Superboy. It was the Silver Age or the Earth-1 Superman that was Superboy. So this Superboy that we just talked about, 1945, January 45, if he was Superboy, then he grew to become, 10 years later, the Silver Age Superman. Therefore, this is the first Silver Age Superman story. Ha! See where I've gone there? I, I, I think that's true. That's true. So not a, that's one first. We have Joel and Laura first, the Krypton uh, people first, the flying cars, some sort of an explanation of the, at that point, it wasn't the yellow sun totally. It was the uh, gravity, the lighter gravity that gave. And, and it didn't take long before the sun came in and, and they added other powers um, to that. But the flashbacks continued from this very first story of Superboy. And, and in my head canon, this is the, the Superboy, the first story, the origin story, as I just said, of the, what will eventually be the Kurt Swan Superman, the 60s Superman. This is his beginning. Now, a lot of this was retconned later that the passerby wasn't just a stranger that found a kid in a rocket ship. It was actually Jonathan Kent. Uh, and then it was retconned a little further that he kept the ship, even though he took the bait. And then uh, he told Martha what happened, and she said, well, let's go back and see what's happened. And then they go to the orphanage and uh, adopt the one who's uh, flying around in the room. <laughs> so, uh, and the orphanage is, whew, thank you, glad to get rid of him. Uh, so anyway, that is how this whole thing started with Superboy. And I just can't get over this. This is a really terrific little story. Um, I love the idea of all of the firsts that starting now with this, they go back and now we'll start to see stories in the 40, in 45, 46, 47, uh, uh, into the early fifties. They'll start to explore Krypton a little more not only in the Superboy title, but even in the Superman title, we'll start to see um, uh, one of the early Mon-El stories. And in fact, it's not Mon-El, but it's called Superman's Big Brother from the late 40s. And that that is kind of, you know, an, uh, Superman thinks it's a Kryptonian who has come. And uh, over and over again, so much good stuff coming up. So that's how we're going to start uh, our little Superboy segment here on the Superman Forever radio show. And from this point on, now that we know where the Superboy of, of, uh, of you know, my fandom starts, 
this is what we're going to start from. So from now on, uh, it's not going to be chronological. In other words, I'm not going to now go to, you know, more fun number 102 or even Superboy number one or any of that. I'm just going to do pick stuff in the in the comics in the Superboy comics that that I really like for some reason, a story that stuck out, maybe a goofy story. There probably will not be a whole lot of super baby stories. Unless I do something fun, you know, just for the fun of it, because it is so ridiculous. Uh, there is one where he goes, and I do like Brainiac, so there's one where Super Baby uh, has a little run-in with Brainiac out in space. It's, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's the kind of thing that, that this story. So it, it, what I would urge, and I'll try to put a link if I remember to do this. I'll put a link to the DC uh, indexes, the... the um, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. I'll put a link to this story page on his page because he breaks it down. Mike does a great job on on this particular story of breaking down all of the stories of the future in the Silver Age and Bronze Age that come back and reference this exact story and the panels uh, herein. But right now, from this point on, from, from January now, we have parents' names, Jor-El and Lara, in the comics. And uh, the Kents uh, will soon have names, too. So, uh, terrific stuff. Absolutely terrific stuff. Um, I can just imagine, as, a, as an eight-year-old kid myself, if I were you know, to read this for the first time, whoa, that would have just been so cool. Having not read any other Superboy, I have. In fact, we'll probably cover that uh, coming down in a couple of the Superboy segments. will be my first couple of Superboy stories. So we'll see. So anyway, I hope you like that. That was fun. I enjoyed talking about that. I'm going to hopefully get a couple of these out, uh, you know, one a month or so, along with the regular Superman segment. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to bob at supermanforever.com. It would also be kind of cool if you would uh, subscribe through iTunes and maybe even go to Apple Music or whatever it's called, an iTunes store, and uh, leave us some feedback. That would be cool. I've never, you know, we've gotten a couple of those, but I don't, you know, tell you people to do that. That's called, uh, there's a word for that, and, you know, call to action. <laughs> In the biz, there's it's a call to action. Woo! But I'd like to hear from I'd like to hear from you. So by all means, send me some email. Bob at supermanforever.com. Next episode of the Superman Forever Radio Podcast will feature the long lost missing episode, Brainiac. As we get ready, it, actually the timing is probably pretty good because uh, we're now getting into March and the new series Krypton on the Sci-Fi Channel is about to debut sometime here in March. And uh, I have been on a couple of episodes of the Krypton podcast and, and see how that works out. Uh, so you can check that too. But, um, you know, maybe we'll get my Brainiac. Apparently he's going to be the featured bad guy. And some of the pictures that have come out, he looks just terrific. So um, hopefully I'll get my Brainiac episode out in time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been a real treat. So next time... Brainiac, then another Superboy episode. We'll see you then. Bye.
Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and Action Comics. Superman, copyright DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Superman.